my prayer is that that is the heart in which you come this morning, ready to pour out our love on Him, to break open that alabaster jar of perfume that we bring, and to just anoint Him with our love today. I'm sure you've heard of the name J. Upton Dickinson, right? <laughs> he is a Christian writer of sorts, and, and uh, one day he actually wrote a, a pamphlet that was called Cower Power. And uh, in this pamphlet, <clears throat> he was talking about putting together an organization that was called Doormat. This stood for the dependent order of really meek souls, if there is no objection. Apparently the organization didn't last long, because someone objected. Meek is a word that we hear, and oftentimes it is a word that doesn't go very far in our culture of today. It's not a common word that, that you find out there, and, and it seems like people aren't really searching after it. For example, if you went for a job application, you're in an interview, or you're reading a job description, how often do you read in a job description, or in your interview hear somebody say, we are looking for meek people to come and work here? No, usually it's, we're looking for strong people, we're looking for motivated people, um, you, you watch football on TV or a sport on TV, and one thing you never hear the commentator say is, you know, that player is a really meek player. Because in our minds, it doesn't fit. It's, it's be powerful. It's go after it. Take it all on. And, and don't let anyone see you as being anything less than powerful. But yet, our beatitude of today in Matthew 5, 5, simply says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. This is what Jesus is teaching. He's saying, this is what my expectation of you. And if you remember, we talked, we want to experience God's blessing. We want to be in that place of blessing. And here Jesus says, if you want to be in the place of blessing, be meek. <laughs> Which brings us to the place of, what does this mean? What does it mean to be meek? Well, if we're going to see what it is, we kind of like we've done in the past, we, we need to see what it is not. Because in our culture today, a lot of times, meekness comes with some kind of an understanding that maybe is not the true understanding of what meekness is. For example, one of the things that we find is meekness is often equated with, as Lynn said, weakness. If you are meek, you are weak. And, and so they have this image of a person who is meek as the person that cowers in the corner and is afraid of everything. Very introverted. Doesn't like to, to put themselves out there. This is a person that wouldn't stand up for themselves. However, when you read Scripture, we find this is not at all what we were called to. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he puts it in this way. He says, for God, for the Spirit of God gave us is not one of timidity. He did not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-control. You see right there, he says, look, I didn't give you the spirit of fear and timidity of weakness. I gave you one of power 
and of love and of self-control. So that's, it's not about being weak. As a matter of fact, you can look in Scripture and you find that Jesus didn't call for people to be weak. You look at Joshua. He walks a God, goes to Joshua, and he says, Joshua, you're going to lead my people. Be what? Strong and courageous. He doesn't say, be weak and scared. Be strong and courageous. He walks up to Gideon, who was scared, and he goes to Gideon. He says, oh, Gideon, you mighty warrior. You see, it's, it's not about weakness. Meekness is not a lack of conviction. I think sometimes what happens is we feel that as Christians that we need to allow our convictions to kind of not trample on everybody else. And so what happens is we see in our world today convictions are running everywhere. And so when someone comes to a believer and our Christian beliefs are under attack, we start to, to kind of go back, reel back a little bit and go, well, you know what, I, I, better, I better not push my agenda and I better just go back into my safe place and, and I'm not going to judge and I'm just going to let God deal with it. That's not what meekness is either. Jesus never gave us a picture to live our life without conviction. Meekness is not passive aggressiveness. I think sometimes what we do in the Christian circles is we, we make weakness this passive aggressive thing, this false humility where what we do is we kind of go, we put on the nice. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it, but it's called Minnesota nice. You ever heard of that? Minnesota nice is passive aggressive. That's, you look in the urban dictionary and that's what it says. It's passive aggressive. Where they come across as nice, gentle. Now understand this. I'm not ripping on Minnesotan people. I love, I'm, I'm technically one of them. I was born there. Um, but that's what that term says. And so there's this passive aggressive niceness that people have and they say that that is this meekness. This No, it's not about getting what we want out of something by being something else. As a matter of fact, James 3, he says, starting verse 13 through 16, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So you kind of see that passive-aggressive idea doesn't work well here. That's not what Jesus is calling for. So then what is this meekness? What is it that Jesus is talking about? Because remember, the people of that time were thinking Everything, I mean, it was all about power. Even the Messiah was going to come in power. He was going to be the one that, <coughs> excuse me, he was going to be the one that would come, overthrow the Roman government, restore the people of Israel back to the power and the, and the authority that they used to have. And so Jesus is turning this completely upside down. They didn't like this teaching. One of the greatest ways that I've heard meekness described is simply this. Power under control. Meekness is power under control. Tozer, uh, one of the great uh, fathers of the Christian Missionary Alliance, one of the things that he said was this about meekness. He says, the meek man is not a human mouse 
afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his mortal life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is weak and helpless as God declared him to be, but he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself nothing, in God everything. That is his motto. Do you catch it there? Meek is that understanding that I have power through Christ. I have power as a child of God, but I'm not out there flaunting it in front of everybody else. I'm also not the doormat for everybody to step on. Meekness is having the, uh, the power and the ability to do what we need to do, but doing it in a spirit and an attitude of gentleness towards others. We read James 3, 13 through 16 a moment ago, but look at verse 17. James continues and he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. What a great picture of meekness right there. We can have the power to do it, but what it is, it's under control. It is peace-loving, it's pure. It is considerate of others. It's submissive to one another, full of mercy and good fruit. A very different picture than what our culture says meekness is. Meekness is power under control. So what does it look like then? How, how, we can describe meekness as power under control, but, but if we were to say, okay, here's what it looks like, how would we describe it? Well, one of the ones that I've heard in the past was a horse. Look at a horse. A horse is a very powerful creature, isn't it? It's huge. Have any of you just walked up to a wild horse and tamed it? You would have a real fun time because it's a powerful animal. And yet, somehow, through the process of breaking the, ho the horse, it brings that horse under submission so that a smaller, more inferior person can control the horse by just a small bit in its mouth. You see, that doesn't take away the power of the horse. It still has it. But it's used under control. Well, I guess none of us are horses, so that kind of makes it a tough thing for us to see within ourselves. But what's interesting is in the Bible, we see several images of what it looks like to be meek. One of them is found in Numbers 12, and this is Moses. Moses, it says in Numbers 12:3, was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now, I read this at first, and I <laughs> honestly, my first thought went to, really? Because I kind of saw Moses kind of as a wimp. He was kind of a whiner, right? You know, God would ask him to do something. He's like, oh, really? Do you need me? Can't you use somebody else? And, and I kind of formed this picture of him. You know, he ran away. He was scared. He argued with God. Oh, I'm not a good speaker, God. Have somebody else. I don't want to do this. Please do something else. And then all of a sudden, it, it occurred to me, and I'm going, wait. Moses was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And by being raised in the house of Pharaoh, he was trained in the ways of the Egyptians. He was trained in all of their culture. He was trained in all of their battle ability as well. So he had been trained in way, and we know that he had been trained because what does he do? He kills a man. 
And that's when he goes into running. So we know that he was a guy who had power. We know that he was a guy who had authority. And yet, he was a guy who says, right there in Numbers 12, was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. You see, he had the power, but he wanted to use it under control. And actually, the power we saw scared him in some way. We can also look at Joseph. Joseph and his brothers, they they didn't like him, so they sold him into slavery. He goes into Egypt himself, and he's under Potiphar, and then he really rises in power. He becomes the second, uh, second in authority and helps save the country of Egypt from famine and and other countries as well. And what we see is in this moment that Joseph has the authority to do anything that he wants to. He has the power. His brothers come to him in the famine and and he recognizes them. They don't recognize him yet, but he doesn't forget. He hasn't forgotten what they've done. And in that moment, Joseph had all right and all authority and all power to have all of his brothers killed. Meekness in that moment not only stayed his hand from killing his brothers, but it also brought him to the place where he forgave his brothers. And then after forgiving them, he provided for them so that they didn't die in the famine. What a picture of meekness. But I think our greatest picture of meekness is found in the person of Jesus. And there's a story that I love looking at. It it just blows me away. Jesus is the one who's talking about meekness. Jesus would be the example of meekness. And the night that Jesus was arrested, He's in the garden with the disciples and, and He's praying and He goes through that time and then this mob comes, to the, comes into the garden and He says, look, they're, you know, they're coming to arrest me now. And I love this. It's in John chapter 18, starting at verse 4. Jesus, knowing all this was going to happen to Him, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, I love that story. What an incredible story. Because here is Jesus in all power, all authority, fully God, fully man. These guys all come to him and they're like, we're coming to arrest you. We're looking for Jesus. And all he says is, I am he. And what happens? It says that they drew back, they stumbled back, and fell to the ground before Jesus. You know, when I read this, I'm going, how in the world could any of them in that moment get up and arrest Jesus after experiencing that? Because Jesus was displaying meekness in that moment. He was showing that he had all of the power, that all he had to do was say the word, and he could have walked away, he could have gone on with life, but this was the plan and this was the purpose of the Father, and so he needed to show that the authority was there and that he was giving himself willingly over to what they were doing. They weren't taking Jesus away. Understand that. They did not come and take Jesus away. Jesus allowed them (laughs) to have him go with them because he had the power to do what was there. We see another story of Jesus with the woman caught in adultery. 
The teachers of the law find this woman caught in adultery. They bring her to Jesus and they say, This woman, we caught her red-handed. The law says that anyone who is caught committing adultery is worthy to be stoned. What do you think, Jesus? And I love what Jesus does. He has all power, all authority. Jesus could have literally said, Get away, leave, do whatever. He could have caused all kinds of issues. And it says all he does was he gets down... And he starts writing in the sand. I I can't wait to get to heaven to find out what it was that he was writing. But he starts writing in the sand. And it says that they all walked away, the oldest and then the youngest. And then he's standing there by himself with this woman. And here's the man with all authority to be able to do whatever he wants, to convict her. And his words are, is there no one here to convict you? No. Then neither do I. Go and sin no more. You see meekness displayed in the person of Jesus. Having all power, yet handling it in a gentle, peaceful, pure way. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. There is the definition of meekness in the life of a believer. It means having the power to hold whatever I want over somebody else, but deciding that I'm going to relinquish it into the hands of God. It means saying that even though I have a right to be angry at somebody because they have sinned against me, they have wronged me, it is me saying that, you know what, that is not mine to handle. I'm giving that to God, and instead I'm going to forgive, I'm going to be kind, and I'm going to be loving towards that individual. It is treating people with the same respect and honor that we would want ourselves to be treated. Did you hear what Lynn said earlier? Meekness is not what has been placed upon us. It's that decision that we have. Am I going to choose to have power under control as Christ? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the king or they will inherit the earth. The reward that we get the blessing that we receive is actually really an, an, an incredible thing. We often live life with this Okay, so what do I get out of it? If I'm going to be meek, what do I get out of being meek? If, I, if I'm going to live this way, there has to be something in store. Jesus even says, these are the things that you do to be blessed. So what is it? Well, if we are looking at this, again, blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. <laughs> Jesus, once again, flips it all on the, on the, on the upside down. Because understand that in our culture of today, what it is, is it's the powerful inherit the earth. It are those that that push themselves on others. Those are the ones. But notice what Jesus says. Blessed are the meek, for they what? Will. This is future tense. Oftentimes what we do is we picture this as a, oh, okay, I do this right right now, kind of like a child. Well, if I do this not right now, then mom and dad are going to give me this in just a couple of minutes. Notice the word that Jesus says. They will inherit. 
They will inherit. What is an inheritance? Well, when you stop and think about what an inheritance is, it is something that a person receives in the future. Oftentimes, a long time in the future, a very distant future. In, in, ho- in our homes or however you look at it, you know, you have a will, you have something that you have planned out that the day that the Lord takes you home, your assets, your money, whatever you have that's left over, you're not taking it with you, it's still here on earth, but you want that distributed among your family. That's called the inheritance, right? And so that's where he says, for the blessed are the meek, for they will inherit something that they will get that they have waited for. I love Colossians 3, 23 and 24 because it gives us a picture of this. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you're serving. So here again we see, Jesus, blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. That inheritance is not my earthly inheritance of my Father. What this is, is Jesus saying they will re-inherit from their Father in heaven an inheritance of earth. What does this mean? What is this? What's funny is oftentimes you talk to people and you ask them, what does this mean? If it, blessed are those, the meek, who, for they will inherit the earth. Most of the time what you'll get is, a lot of people will say, well, that's heaven. They will get heaven. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who are meek because they will eventually get to heaven. No, he very clearly says they will inherit the earth. What does this mean? Look at Psalm 37, 27 through 29 with me. Because you'll see something that's interesting here. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Notice twice in there he says that they will dwell in the land. How long? Forever. Now we have an issue here. Is anybody here going to live forever in this body? No. The plan is... At some point in time, we are going to breathe this body no more. And so all of a sudden, but here's what Jesus says. He says, turn from evil. Why? Then they will dwell in the land forever. Now, some have said, well, this is, this is the, the land of Israel that God had promised, the promised land, that they will live in that land forever. But notice what he's saying still. They will live in the land forever. This is exciting. Let's walk through this inheritance together a little bit. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, God is establishing creation. He said, then he said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, over all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground." This was the established plan of God. This was the original plan of God. Notice that he doesn't say for a time. God's original plan was to establish man to have dominion over the earth. 
to rule over the earth. Now what happened? Shortly after that, we find that sin entered the world. Adam and Eve sinned. They became the first ones to sin. Sin entered the world. And all of a sudden, we see the curse drop on the world. All of a sudden, now God says, look, one, you're going to have to work and you're going to have to toil to be able to even find food. Number two, you're going to die. You see, in the beginning, God had originally intended that Adam and Eve, man, they would multiply and they would have dominion over the whole world. But then wickedness came in. Sin abounded. People began to hurt one another, kill one another, take advantage of one another. Life began to to take on this, this idea of power and control over one another. And that's where we live today is that there's this idea that we need to be this over-the-top, powerful, have this control over people in order to be successful. But look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.9. He says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither will the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. He says, look, in the future tense, these men who are presently hold power, they do it in the way they can control. They are wicked in the ways that they do it. They have no future inheritance. It is not for them. For those who are the meek, they are the ones who have the inheritance of God. They will not, they will, meek will inherit the earth. Look now at Psalm 37, verses 8 through 11. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. The meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. This is the amazing part of this. Do you know what we're talking about here? One day Jesus is going to return. And when Christ returns is when we receive the inheritance. That inheritance is the new earth that he will create, that he will will restore. He will destroy the wicked and restore all things back to the original plan and the original purpose, which we saw in Genesis 1, that all of his people would now have rule and dominion over the earth. We will be able to live in this earth curse-free and enjoy what God originally planned for it. Sure, we can hope for good things now. Sure, I can, you know what? Blessed are those who meek because other people will notice it and then you'll get... But that's not what we're supposed to be looking forward to. I live this life being meek because I know one day that I will inherit the earth the way that God originally intended it to be. Now think about that for a minute. Can you imagine gardening with no weeds? Can you imagine a world with no traffic jams? You can go down a long list of how incredible that's going to be. That is something worth being meek for. Because it's not for the next few years. This is for all eternity. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who have power under control. Because they will inherit the earth for all eternity.
So when I come to this point, it causes me to ask a question of myself. Am I meek? Do I live my life like Christ? One, knowing that I have the power of God, and two, treating people with that honor and respect that they deserve. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to experience, and it never changed the way that he treated people. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. How are you doing today? Let's pray. Father, this is one of those decisions that we have to determine every day. And we wake up in the morning to have that prayer of saying, Lord, create in me a clean heart, create in me a meek heart. Lord, help me to live in the power of the Holy Spirit today, yet in a way that is gentle and loving and will bring Your name glory. Lord, help us to live as lions for Christ, but as gentle as the Lamb that was slain. And we look forward to that day when together with our Savior, we will inherit the land and live in it forever. For His glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.